Hi, welcome back to the Movement Performance Podcast brought to you by The Movement. My name is Don, and with me today, as always, is Jess. Jess, how are you doing today? Uh, busy. Yeah, my bathroom's under renovations, and my sister gets married next week. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on craft duty, and it's actually been going well, so <laughs> late new night, skills. Late, late night's <laughs> crafting, eh? <laughs> no, I'm not, not that late, luckily, but yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> that's good i mean sleep's really important where that's kind of what we're what we're gonna focus yeah, that on was a segue there <laughs> how things been with you yeah i've been i've been actually in a really good rhythm lately um through the summer i sort of let let a little bit of my training slide and just like focused a bit on family and mm-hmm. um business and other things and uh you know as of the academy i sort of like dove back into a training routine and I've been like really focused on kind of dialing in my my evenings and making sure that I'm on a bit bit more a bit more of a routine than nice. I had been through the summer yeah. yeah I saw you did the Boris Falls descent yesterday how'd that go yeah yeah it was just it was just a casual casual cruise that one <laughs> I um I I love downhill running as you know um and so I wasn't going for like a pb on that I was just no, okay. cruising but, nice. Um, My brother's trying to beat you on that segment. That's why I brought it up. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good luck. I'll I'll just pull it back. Um, <laughs> I've got more to give on that. <clears throat> um, yeah. So I think what we wanted to kind of like chat a little bit about today was was recovery and the factors that sort of play into it. I mean, I know, I know personally when I'm when I'm dealing with my clients when we're chatting about about their recent injuries or um, looking at kind of honing or dialing performance. Um, these are some of the things that, you know, are often like really low hanging fruit that mm-hmm. can make a big impact with really minimal um, effort. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there are things people really overlook quite easily. Like they don't even think about when, until I bring it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I had an assessment the other day and, you know, it was this guy who came in with some low back pain and he's like a pretty competitive athlete, you know, does a lot of, he's like a, a strong recreationalist, let's say. Okay. And, uh, you know, he he twanged his back doing the silliest thing, right? Yeah. And he's like, I just don't get it. Like, I nothing's changed in my physical routine. I... You know, I've been continuing to do the same same training sort of plan that I have. It's not been a sudden spike in activity. Um, you know, how, like I do this exercise so that this doesn't happen. What's going yeah. on? And I, I started talking to him about some of these other factors, right? I was like, well, you know, let's, you know, it wasn't like this direct. But yeah. over time, we kind of just discussed what was going on and got chatting about like, well, let, let's talk about like, you know, how the other factors have been like how have you been sleeping how's your stress been like how's your nutrition been? and what it came down to is that he'd kind of been burning it at both ends right yeah. so he was doing the same exercise he was doing the same training routine that he had been for you know at least the past few months but his work had picked up and so to keep on his exercise routine while capitalizing on still getting his work done he, he kept his exercise routine at the same time but that forced him to push out his work into what would normally be his sleep routine and mm-hmm. so you know what happens when you're not sleeping bad things 
you're not recovering, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, because, I mean, personally, I think of like everything that we do day to day is catabolic. It's breaking us down, whether it's like brain function, muscle function, anything. All that stuff is like, you know, slowly breaking our body down, right? From an energy demand perspective, from a tissue demand perspective, from a nervous system perspective. And then our body's opportunity to rebound and recover and come back stronger and better and faster is when we're sleeping, Mm -hmm. right? That's when we're recovering and repairing. And I think it's, it's like something that's so important that we often don't realize, but when you think of it from like an evolutionary standpoint, it doesn't make sense to be unconscious for that long. Like you can't do anything productive. You can't eat. You can't exercise. You're not helping like build anything. But that's when you realize, well, it must be super important if our body still does it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. In like the other middle things, days. There are other things that I could be doing with that time. Exactly. Sleeping. So yeah. that's why you have to realize, well, it must be really important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's as simple as that, right? Um, <clears throat> so, I mean... Everyone kind of knows like, oh, I should be getting like seven to nine hours of sleep per day. Um, I mean, personally, I find, unfortunately, I'm kind of on the upper end of that. If I really want to be performing my best, if I want to be like dialed and motivated, and that's an interesting point is that I find motivation Mm -hmm. um, aligns really closely with how I'm sleeping. And I've seen that in a lot of my clients and and athletes as well. but unfortunately for me, I'm on the upper end of that. Like when I'm, when I'm at like eight and a half hours sleep, that's like everything is good. I'm ticking along. It's perfect. Um, but when I drop below that is when I start finding myself needing that extra hit of coffee or okay, yeah. whatever, right? Um, and I'm just like the big one is motivation. My motivation mm-hmm. falls off a little bit. Um, but Again, like, where do you fall on that spectrum? I think mine, I'd almost say it's more about the quality of it. Mm. I find I can often, like, be in bed between seven and nine hours, but sometimes I'm just, like, not sleeping. Mm. Um, So that's something, like, I focus on. Like, normally when I'm, like, really groggy in the morning or, like, my, I think, biggest issue would be not motivation, but, like, once I'm in the exercise, like, withstanding it. Like, almost like that. Um, ability to like push I guess you could say Mm -hmm. like that mental aspect of like grinding kind of grind that extra set out hit that extra rep exactly really really kind of make that 95% effort feel like 95% effort yeah exactly my intensity almost decreases but Mm -hmm. mine I'd say is more like that quality of sleep like sometimes I can't fall asleep or I'm up for like a longer period of time or I'm just up a bunch of times and that's what really affects me more so Mm -hmm. Yeah, those interruptions throughout the night. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously those interruptions, really what that's about is, you know, our sleep has natural cycles, right? Mm -hmm. We sort of flux through different phases of sleep. And those different phases of sleep have been shown to sort of um, rejuvenate our body in different ways. Like certain phases are more physically restorative and other phases are more sort of neurologically restorative and um you know by ultimately we always start our sleep cycles at the same point Mm -hmm. right and so if we get interrupted like 45 minutes in for whatever reason um whether it's a distracting environment or um what you know maybe you drank too much before bed 
yeah, like, yeah, you got to wake up to pee or, <laughs> you know, maybe you had some alcohol in the evening with, with dinner, right? That sort of thing can influence like where we end up in our sleep cycles and how recovered we are physically or neurologically. Yeah. I think that's an interesting one is, uh, the alcohol piece is they've been showing it like block certain cycles of your sleep, which are actually really important for recovery right? or like reduces it's, that amount. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like that blocks your REM sleep, right? Yeah. So people often like like do a nightcap or have some like THC to help fall asleep. Mm. Um, but they're showing now it's almost like you're like losing consciousness, but then you're not going through your slight, like your sleep cycle mm-hmm. as naturally as you would without it. And correct me, it's like human growth hormone that's like stimulated during... REM sleep right it's stimulated in all phases but the like bigger part of it or like more of it is stimulated during your REM sleep right so you get a bigger spike of HGH which um, is interesting I mean that's what we're you know um, you know you've if you've kind of listened along with these podcasts you've heard us kind of preach about you know how we Mm -hmm. appreciate like blood flow restriction therapy for uh, like in-season training and what we're trying to do is stimulate that human growth hormone spike right yeah exactly um not during sleep yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and so yeah that's that's interesting so you're sort of like missing a good chunk of that restorative hormonal stimulus that we get during sleep yeah and they also actually show testosterone during like all stages but again high during REM and that can Mm -hmm. be affected right which kind of sneaks back to um you know the leaning that like REM sleep is probably more of a physically restorative phase as opposed to a neurologically restorative Mm -hmm. phase right um so uh I guess another thing we could add about sleep I don't know if you've ever like had a really poor night's sleep or like a little bit of time with poor sleep and then just gotten a lot of fights like you know, been a little bit more angry or a little bit more short with people. I don't know if you've ever experienced I'm that. Big, I'm not a big scrapper, Jess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you not know physical me. fights, <laughs> just disagreements or arguments. I guess you could say. Yeah. So, like, more, more of the that, and that is getting kind of more at the idea of like, you know, cognitive restoration and, mm-hmm. and that sort of neurological um, fatigue. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so do you know, like, what is the phase that, do you know what the phase is that's more neurologically um, restorative? I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. I want to say it was actually still REM that they talked about. Okay. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, certainly what I know is is the research leans towards, um, you know, reduced reaction time and poor cognitive function and... Um, as you referenced that sort of emotional regulation side of things with, um, with poor sleep. And so, um, and poor sleep is, is, is a funny topic. It's like, well, what is poor sleep? Is it poor quality? Is it like fewer hours? Um, and the easiest way to sort of quantify it is by time truly sleeping, Mm -hmm. right? Truly within the cycles. And, um, so yeah they actually say like when you're actually in bed so say you're in bed for eight hours you want above 80 percent of that to be time spent sleeping Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and from what i've from what i've read it's like 
a pretty drastic drop off from like a reaction time and physical performance mm-hmm. perspective, like speed rea- uh, speed performance perspective. Um, the drop off is pretty drastic below seven hours, which is, um, you know, I th- from my experience with like clients and athletes and otherwise, um, exceedingly common, right? Yeah. Oh, a, yeah, for sure. You know. <laughs> sleep when you die or whatever you know it's like there's there's so many (laughs) negative mindsets and perspectives around um around sleep and you know that that diminish the importance of it um so i think it's just important to like talk about that yeah Um, even be aware of it and like think about it mm -hmm. it might change your decisions here and there yeah totally but i mean so the the funny thing that i always like you know, obviously you can do all, some people are super dialed on their sleep and nutrition and do have all the, you know, techie tricks and tips for recovery, whether that's like BFR or whether it's, um, sort of like the pneumatic compression sleeves and stuff like that. Um, but they're still kind of struggling. And I think the foundation of the pyramid for, recovery if you think of like recovery as a pyramid the very bottom is your training plan right Mm -hmm. um i always say you can't out recover a shitty training plan right (laughs) if you if you're overtraining you're overtraining and you just can't that's going to catch up to you Mm -hmm. right um and that's that's the absolute foundation with like then sleep sort of stacked on top of that nutrition stacked on top of there um and uh and then kind of the top of the pyramid is sort of like you know those other sort of more kitschy pieces yeah like those little things you can do Mm. so why don't we chat briefly about like the idea of like important aspects within training planning because i mean training plan development is a super extensive topic that we aren't going to get into here but um i think suffice it to say that like incorporating rest days and deload weeks are super important right um and that looks different for every athlete um it depends on your training history it depends on your um you know number of uh i guess like years within a particular sport when Mm -hmm. we're talking about and and whether we're talking about like muscle or tendon or nervous system um changes like what what is that limiting factor for that athlete i feel like i see it a lot in like new climbers that end up here as patients it's like they go out and they like red point like five times a week and it's just their pull strength is really good like their actual ability to like do pull-ups is really good because they're strong, but then their tendons just aren't there. Mm-hmm. So that's their limiting factor. Yeah. But the intensity, like you have to keep that into account on your training plan as well. Cause if you're going to the gym and trying your hardest every single day, mm-hmm. you need to have like some variability in your training plan. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You can't, can't, can't try hard five days a week. You can certainly climb five days a week if yeah. you've built up that sort of, um, you know, especially white tissue tolerance, right? Um, if we're talking climbing right now, um, but you want those days to have different emphasis, mm-hmm. I suppose, right? Um, and then, like, where you're integrating, you know, a lot, a lot of people again, like with 
you know, certain sports pushing towards like Olympics uh, level, you know, there's a lot of accessory strength work and accessory programming happening along with that. Um, and I think it's just important to recognize within a training plan that more is not more. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, I had a, a really, you know, high, high level sort of, you know, like V12 boulderer um, in the other week. And he had been dealing with some like, uh, I guess it was the other couple months back, actually, uh, a few months back. And he had been having kind of recurrent recurrent finger issues Mm -hmm. and we dove in on his his training plan and what what his approach had been and you know number one thing we identified was that his protein intake was too low okay um and the second thing we identified was just that um he was overtraining Mm -hmm. right and so through our rehab if he had you know, uh, both like a tendon issue, like an FDP tendon issue, as well as a couple of pulleys that were um, giving him trouble. And through our rehab program, um, he focused on a little bit more on strength training. He dialed in his volume a little bit, um, got him on a bit of a finger plan. Um, and then as we ramped him back up to climbing, by the time we were done, you know, quote, rehab with him, he was actually sending harder than he <laughs> had awesome. beforehand, which was was cool. And he was like, I actually put on five pounds during this oh, period. Interesting. Yeah. And so he put on like, and he was lean, he put on like five pounds of muscle mass by dialing in his nutrition That's right? awesome. and his training plan yeah. from a volume perspective. Yeah, it's crazy like the, when you like dial in these little things, mm-hmm. how much of a difference it makes. For sure. Um, why don't we quickly, so I know we want to do like a whole podcast on nutrition and performance mm-hmm. nutrition, and we're going to bring a special guest on for that um, who has way more in-depth knowledge than you and I do. Yeah. But why don't we just quickly run through the basics of kind of like the key pieces that where where we see the most common flaws from a recovery perspective in nutrition and i just kind of tapped on one of them which was um you know insufficient protein within your diet for like a high performer yeah we i think i see that like all the time a lot of my like a lot of patients that i have with tendon injuries we talk about it Mm -hmm. um but if you're athletic you're aiming to hit like 1.4 to 2 grams per kilogram right a day Totally. Which, you know, for someone like me, that's like nearly 200 <laughs> grams of like uh, of, of protein if we're on the upper end, which yeah. is like feels absurd. Right. Um, you know, strictly getting it from like, you know, veggies and and meat products. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like incorporating legumes and like there's lots of ways to get there. But, you know, um, I think there's this like really strong emphasis towards like whole food nutrition and making sure you're getting everything from whole foods and like foods like fucking expensive these days you know um and especially like high high protein density foods and like i don't want to like diminish the importance of whole foods because i think it is super important but if you're playing on the upper end of these of these limits um especially if you're like a um like a larger athlete um (laughs) You know, I think there's something to be said about supplementation with like protein and collagen, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'll quickly go into collagen just because it's, you know, it came up. But P3 
people are like, oh, you know, the research is sort of like a little bit, little bit loose on it. And I agree, it's not perfect research, but mm -hmm. we also don't have drug companies putting tons of money into um, the research on on collagen, right? There's there's a little upside for that on them. Um, but at its most basic level, collagen is protein. And so if you're already low on protein, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. you're eating a nice whole food diet where you're getting a comprehensive spread of amino acids. You know, I would say the upside of incorporating some collagen in a timely manner to your training is is worth it. Yeah. You know, um, I guess if you want to try do it naturally, the only thing would be like bone broth. But sure. That's yeah. Still. Um, and so, I mean that kind of briefly touches on like the protein and the collagen piece um and supplementate those kind of supplementation mm -hmm. on that side but then i feel like one of the overall ones that's missed is just like having enough calories yeah so um if you're exercising and you're not eating enough basically end up in a catabolic catabolic space so you're Your breaking down yeah, yeah breaking down muscle um, if you exercise and you're eating enough, you end up in like a building muscle phase Yeah. or like, you know, like healing, recovering. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes when you're having like a really high output, especially over like a bunch of days in a row, it can be pretty hard to hit how many calories you need. And you have to be like, I find you have to like plan ahead and like yeah. be pretty aware of it. I've yeah. struggled with that in the past and it's, yeah, totally. it's a, it's a concerted effort for athletes mm -hmm. who are training and performing and doing big days um of like long efforts right it, it is like a concerted effort to make sure that you are fueled and ready to go yeah for sure and have yourself in a anabolic state where that training was worthwhile because let's be honest right if you are um you know if you're in this catabolic breakdown state um you know let's say for like an ultra runner or something like that. Um, yes, that day out is going to have like a positive impact on your aerobic capacity. Um, but if you're in a state of catabolism and breakdown, um, you know, the number of times where I hear um, distance runners and, you know, endurance athletes struggling with like things like descents and like tendon pain and mm -hmm. it's like well, let's let's talk about what's what's going on there it's not because the tendon hasn't had exposures it's because it's not given an environment to recover yeah and then even sometimes when you see someone you know they've been training a ton but their performance isn't improving or it's mm -hmm. even decreasing a lot of times like this can be one of the culprits totally totally um, well, let's let's cap it at that because I think um, I think we covered kind of like the three keys, which were which are kind of like sleep, training plan, nutrition, and I think we could dive deep on any one of those topics, uh, mm -hmm. especially training plan and nutrition. I think we're we're going to do some further deep dives on, um, but you know I, I hope you all learned a little bit from that and were interested in those topics and and you know I think the podcast that we that we do kind of probably later or mid next month um nutrition october one? on nutrition is yeah. going to be super um interesting for everyone and you know we hope you uh you enjoy these and if you have any topics that you want to hear us talk about or 
questions that you have, we'd love for you to, to send those over to us, Don at the movementphysio.ca or Jess at the movementphysio.ca. <clears throat> but we'll say bye for now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on the move. <laughs>